Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis 1 how God speaks and how we need to get good at recognizing the voice of the Word of God and the Word of God as the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is available on iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast and also at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. All of our messages are there, available free for listening and for downloading at iTunes.com or friendshipwithgod.org. We've got over 500 messages, over 200 hours of teaching and preaching, all there free at friendshipwithgod.org and by searching for the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes.com. Now, are you interested in learning more about the Jewish people, their past, their present, and their future in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Tom Cantor has written a book on the life of Joseph, and it's entitled Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the History and Future of the Jewish People Through the Life of Joseph. Now, this book parallels the life of Joseph, but also the Jewish people, as well as the Lord Jesus Christ, showing from the life of Joseph and the Lord Jesus Christ the hope, the pain, the trials, the suffering, and the exaltation of Joseph and the Lord Jesus Christ and the future exaltation of the Jewish people in following the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to obtain a copy of this book, you can call us now at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also call us after the program at 800 247 3051. Again, 247 3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore. Here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis 1 how God speaks, and we need to get good at recognizing His voice as God, the Word of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful. Okay, uh, 1 Samuel 3 4. You have it? All right, here we go. That the Lord called Samuel. So the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called you not. I called, I called, I called not. Lie down again. That's it, Bill. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, is what he said, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I, I, called, I called not my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had, had called the child. Just a little guy. You know. Anyway, therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place and the Lord came and stood and called him at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Now he's just a little guy. He's just a little child as it says there. He'd been dedicated to the Lord by his mother Hannah. Wonderful, wonderful about her. She'd been infertile. Uh, it's just important to know that in, in some of our research, when we uh, talk with in, uh, infertile couples, or as we did in interviewing, that's a very serious pain. And um, it usually it's defined if you go two years, you can't have children. Well, she had gone all of her married life, and she didn't have a baby, and it was a serious, serious pain. Oh, 
You know this uh, child that was uh, murdered over here in Lakeside that was stabbed to death by his little boyfriend? You may have seen that in the news. It is a uh, wonderful Christian couple, and the boy was a believer as well. Did you know that they went 10 years in infertility before they had that only child? Think of that. Here's Hannah. She'd gone all of her lifetime, and finally she has this baby. No assurance at all that she would have any other. This, for all she knew, this was her one and only. And she gave that child to the Lord. She dedicated him to the Lord. And she said, I'll keep him until he's weaned. You can imagine he was the oldest boy that ever got weaned. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> the father might have glared at him. So what do you Anyway, and then she gave him to the Lord. And she gave him in the temple there, a little coat and everything. So picture the scene. Here is Samuel in the service of God. He's diligently doing all the work that he's told to do in the tabernacle. He's an obedient little fella. He's, he's just there all the time. He's, 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 he's cleaning up there for the ashes, the sacrifice, everything. He's, he's getting all the ash pans ready. He's getting all the flesh hooks ready. He's an obedient little guy, even to two of Eli's sons that were absolutely wicked, very wicked, but he obeys and he does his job, and he does all the grunt work that's required there, and he's just, he's just, he's just very, he's just doing everything that God expected him to do, that people expected him to do. He's there. There's only one problem, just one problem with him, and it's stated in that verse that we looked at, verse 7, he didn't know the Lord. He was religious. He was all about the service. Oh, he could quote to you the Torah, he was infused with the letter of the, of, the, of the Torah, of the word of the Lord. But he didn't know the Lord. He didn't know the Lord. It's kind of tragic when you read that. He knew the service of God. He knew the work of God. He just didn't know the Lord. So there was like this big giant hole in his heart. There was this hollowness, this emptiness, the, this so unfulfillingness of it all. Because it was just, I mean, there was a fulfillment of doing the work, but it was... Oh, religious, dry religious. He didn't know the person of the Lord. We might say he didn't know the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 7, it explains what it meant that he didn't know the Lord. It says the word of the Lord was not revealed to him. He didn't know the Lord. The word of the Lord was not revealed to him. A person can know the Bible backwards and forwards, still not know the Lord. The words that I speak unto you. Let me give you an example. At work, we learned that our, our company electrician, um, he had a sister named Julie. And Julie and her husband, Jose Luis, had been missionaries to Morocco, the Muslims of Morocco, for over 10 years. They're both from Guadalajara. And so Jose Luis had been invited to Morocco to introduce uh, an industry that is uh, famous in Mexico of making stoneware and special ceramics. And um, they were really there as missionaries. And so, but they had a, sm- they had a small church in their home, and, uh, but their, 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 um, their, their phone was tapped and their email was monitored. And so it became pretty well known to the government what that they were doing, converting Muslims. So a year ago, they were expelled from the country. 
very dejected. They'd worked all. Julia's brilliant. She learned, well, so did he, but they learned Arabic, French, and really incorporated. They lived among the people. Uh, I'm going to tell you something that I've never heard from a missionary before. How much money did it take for you to live? She drops her head and says, a little too much, sir. I'm sorry, $600 a month. $600 a month? (laughs) She said, we wanted to live among the people as the people lived. This, the, 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 anyway, they, they um, were kicked out of the country, and they returned to their home church, to Laurel Bible Chapel, where they were for a year. Very hard for them. One morning, they, 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 they asked God, please speak to us. Where are we going next? We've been expelled from Morocco. And in their family Bible reading devotions, they read a verse, and I want you to turn to it, Acts 1-4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. So from that morning devotion time, the two of them understood that they were to stay in San Diego and just wait until they got next orders from the Lord, till the Lord spoke to them. Very hard uh, for them. They, Julie got a job babysitting. Jose Luis was doing handyman work. And, but their heart was really to reach they're missionaries at heart to reach the lost. And uh, so that, that, but that was the verse they had. Well, a year passed by, and we met together last Thursday. We met with them, and we told them that also a year ago, about the time they were expelled from Morocco, we bought a home, a mission home in uh, a Jewish neighborhood of Buenos Aires because we wanted to bring the, the gospel to the Jewish people. We had no idea how we were going to do that. We didn't have anybody to send down there or anything. We just thought, well, just start, and, you know, God will fill the house somehow. But we, when we laid out the vision to them to reach the Jewish people, and we asked them to go down there, be, our mission, be the missionaries to the Jews in Buenos Aires, and then John at work jokingly said, take your time. Take as much time as you need to tell us. Tomorrow morning will be fine. <laughs> he was joking, you know. Well, next morning, they were reading together in their family Bible reading. I want you to turn to that verse they read, Judges 6.14. Judges 6.14, they read this verse. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel. From the hand of the Midianites have not I sent thee. Three words jumped out of the page at them. Probably to you two. Go. After a year of waiting. Save Israel. Number two. I sent you. That morning they told God. They, they really needed to hear from him. And they read this verse. And they heard those words. Go save Israel. I'm sending you. One year of waiting for them and for us was over. And Julie was so overwhelmed that when her brother Pepe called, Jose Luis said, you can't speak to your sister, she's crying. She said, she's meeting with God. (laughs) You can imagine. You can imagine, right? Now, why was she so overwhelmed? Because of Genesis 1-3. And God said, God speaks. God, God is a speaking God. God is not a silent God. He's a speaking God. Because like Samuel, they learned to say to God, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. God's word is a very special to us as believers. It's a letter. Have I told you the story before about the 12-year-old girl in Russia? 12-year-old girl, communist Russia, a time when, uh, during the full bloom of the atheist state of Russia, 
and the responsibility of teachers to make their students atheists. That's the official position. So the, the teacher comes into the classroom with the Bible and starts to demean the Bible and to say, I've read this book and I'm your professor and there is no truth in this book. It is a book full of fairy tales and myths. And he was going on and on. And then he said, is there anybody in this classroom that still believes that the Bible is true? That the Bible is God's word, the Bible is true. And this 12-year-old girl, amongst all of her schoolmates, stands up. And he says, he says to himself, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to make her an example. She, come, she says, come up here. She come up there. And he starts up again. He says, now listen, young girl, I tell you, as a professor and the expert here, I have read this book and there is no truth in it. It's all fairy tales and myths. And a person's a fool to believe that. And he went on and on. This little girl standing up there. And then finally he says, now what do you got to say about that? And she looked up and she said, that's what you get for reading someone else's mail. (laughs) Isn't that good from the Spirit of God good? And that's what it is. This is mail to us. These are special. And God said, God speaks. And that's how it works. God speaks. Now, it requires us, because we saw before, to, be, to, to say these words. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. It requires us to look to God, to hear him. Because that was a problem we saw earlier. Man perceives it not. We have to say to God, I'm going to, God, you, I need to hear from you. I'm going to die on the vine unless I hear from you. I really need to hear from you. And to be able to walk away from a morning devotion time and say, I heard from God this morning. I can show you what I heard from God this morning. That's important. That's important. And not just to recite four chapters, but to say this chapter, this place right there, that's where God spoke to me. That's the art of hearing God. We need to perfect that in ourselves. The goal is to see the word of God associated with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our goal. We want to see the Word of God, the speaking God, the God who speaks, associated with His words in the Bible. So look, for example, to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. And notice here what, uh, what God told to the uh, nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 8.3 when He said that He humbled them and He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know. Why did he suffer? Why did he cause them to be hungry? Why did he humble them? Why did he feed them with this manna from the sky, from heaven's bakery, every morning? Why did he do that? So he could make them know that man does not live by bread alone, only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Can you get the picture? He, he, he takes all the food away from them so that they have to look up like this. Where's the manna? Where's the manna today, Lord? We're going to die here unless we get some food. And it comes down from heaven as a picture of, the, as a picture of for us. These things happen for our examples. In other words, that we should come every morning like they did and say, we don't have anything here to eat. 
If you want, we'll open up all of our cupboards and show you there's nothing to eat. But you've got, you and you alone are going to feed me. And so every day for 40 years, they had to look to God, look up to God. And, and everything they ate came from heaven. Man did, it, the Bible says man ate angels' food. I guess they eat man up there, I don't know. But anyway, whatever it is, that's the, that's the picture. He says this was the purpose for it. So that you can know that you're going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It doesn't say from God. It says from the mouth of God. From the mouth of God to you. That's very, very important to understand. It's very personal. When God speaks, it comes from his mouth. And we live by every word that comes from his mouth, that comes from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important to, to, to know him. Now look at Genesis 3. We're going to just jump in a little bit ahead. Genesis 3 and verse 8. I don't want you to get used to jumping ahead, but we will now. Anyway, Genesis 3, 8. And it says this, that they heard what? They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And now look at verse 10. And when he said, he talked, he said, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. It was the voice of God. Look at, and then verse 317, I mean, sorry, chapter 317. So look at verse 17, same chapter. And Adam said, and he said, and unto Adam, he said, God was speaking to Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto what? The voice of, of, of thy wife, and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee not. What is it saying? Thou shalt not eat of it, and so forth. So what What was he saying there? He was saying, look, Adam, I understand that you were persuaded to eat this fruit. I understand that. He said, I understand that there was a certain pressure that came to you. That wasn't just anybody offering you that that fruit. That was your wife. Wives can be very persuasive. Take it from me. I can tell you that for sure. Anyway, it was your wife, very persuasive. And he said, and how she persuaded you was with her voice. That's what it says, with her voice. We're not making much traction here. We better move on. All right, so no, I'm just kidding. So now look at, at Genesis 27. Genesis 27 in, in verse uh, 7 there. Now here, let's give the context here. In Genesis 27 was the, great, was, was the deception of Isaac. Uh, where Jacob deceived Isaac and, and uh, got the birthright by having Isaac believe his father that it was uh, Esau. For, uh, chapter 27, verse 7. Okay. Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Who, who came up with this scheme? His mom cooked up this thing. You know, this is how you're going to do it. And his mother, look on verse 13. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch them. So she's putting pressure on Jacob by saying, What I'm telling you is associated with me. Obey my voice. Obey my voice. It's not anybody who's telling you to do this. It's me, your mother, right? I know how I've raised my mama's boy. Now you listen. Okay. All right. Now, so he says, uh, he says, obey my voice. And then he says in verse 43, now, therefore, my son, uh, obey my voice. Arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran. Don't stay around here. You're going to get killed. When, um, 
uh, I'm, uh, just for time's sake, I'm just going to give you these references. Genesis 16, 2, when, when Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing, I pray thee, going unto my maid, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And then it says, And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. It wasn't anybody making that suggestion. That was Sarah. And similarly, we have God's voice referred to in about the tabernacle in Numbers 789. When Moses went into the tabernacle to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him. We already saw the passage in Deuteronomy. There's another one in Deuteronomy 3020 where it says that you may love the Lord your God and you may obey his voice. All this emphasis on the voice. Song of Solomon 2.8, the voice of my beloved, she says. Behold, he cometh, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. In, in Psalm, Song of Solomon 2.8. Song of Solomon 5.2. I sleep, but my heart awaketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying unto me, open to me, my sister. The voice. You know, and it, when a little kid's out there playing and he hears, Johnny! It, that's altogether different. It's, it's the voice. What is he? That's mom. <laughs> so he responds, right? Because he recognizes the voice. The voice. All this meaning in, this, in the Old Testament behind the voice, the voice, the voice. And so what then does the Lord Jesus Christ say in John 10? He said, he says, verily, verily, he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not in by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up in the door. some other way is a thief and a robber. He that entereth by the, in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And then he says, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep, what? Hear his voice. They hear his voice. They understood when he said that. Rebecca's voice caused Jacob to do that. Sarah's voice caused Abraham to do that. God's voice off of the tabernacle was what was referred to very personal. So when he's speaking this way, he's calling them back. John 10, 16, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them all I must bring. And then he says, they shall hear my voice. They'll hear my voice. And then he says in John 10, My sheep hear my voice, and, they fo- and I know them and they follow me. Very, very important. What was it out of the burning bush that came to Moses? A voice. It was a voice that came out. When we're far away from God, and when we're lukewarm, and we need to get back, you know what God says he does in Revelation 3.20? He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he said, If any man what? hear my voice. If any man hear my voice and will open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. We hear his voice. We hear his voice. I just want to leave you with John 21. Turn to this. Here we are at the time when the apostles were very discouraged. The Lord has been crucified and they went fishing. And in John 21 5, then Jesus saith unto them, children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. He said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find they cast therefore. And now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, would be John, saith unto Peter, it's the Lord. It is the Lord. Peter knew it was the Lord. And it made all the difference in the world. That's got to be the response of our hearts. We walk into an assembly. We say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. When we hear the voice of God speaking to us, we say, like the apostles, it's the Lord. It's the Lord speaking to us. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much that you are a speaking God. Make us a hearing people. Give us a heart to perceive. Give us a heart that asks you to speak. Give us a heart that recognizes when you speak and keeps it like Mary did in her heart. Thank you for our time together this morning when once again we've had light in our souls as we focused on the one who is the light, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, Tom Cantor is not just the 2009 Whistleblower of the Year, a CEO, a scientist, a Bible teacher, a pastor. He's also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a ministry with a focus to reaching lost Jewish people around the world. In particular, the last three years, we've sent missionaries out, hundreds of missionaries the past three years, to go out and reach millions and millions of lost Jewish people by bringing them gospel resource materials and putting them in their hands, going directly to them one-on-one, door-to-door, street-to-street, reaching Jewish people right where they're at with our missionaries that we send out. Now, we've got a 12-week campaign that has just started. We'd like you to get involved with prayerful support of this 12-week campaign that many Jewish people would come to the Lord Jesus Christ to get the gospel out to these Jewish cities. The past three years, we've gone to 18 different Jewish cities, Orthodox communities, Hasidic communities, Reformed communities, religious communities, atheist communities of Jewish people. We go in these predominantly Jewish neighborhoods and take them the gospel. We be a part of this and support us. You can support us online by going to friendshipwithgod.org and donating online, friendshipwithgod.org, or call us directly at 800-247-3051. Obey God's command to go to the Jew first, support Jewish evangelism, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Help us reach God's lost nation of Jewish people, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening.